sermon actually is uh, was formed because of some of the meetings that took place last year. And so this is to be an encouraging service, to step up and start doing things, and to let you guys know, as you can tell on the back of your bulletin, I put some of the weekly, monthly, and seasonal duties that go on that I have been asked to list so people are aware of what needs to take place around the Disciple Center from time to time, or even on a weekly basis. So this sermon today actually um, is brought to you because of the, the communication that happened last year. And I know a few of you have asked me if the pastors ever talked about it, had heard of it, and yes, they have, and this, this is brought to you because of it. So, what we're going to do is we're going to look at a few parables um, before we get to what needs to happen at the Disciple Center from week to week and monthly and then seasonally. So if you'll turn with me to Matthew 7, <clears throat> we'll pick up in um, verse 20 through 27. And what I want you to do is look at these parables and think about what, what Christ was teaching on about them. And in Matthew 7, he's, he's speaking to the people not to his disciples, not to the Pharisees, but he's speaking to the people here. And he says in verse uh, 20, make sure I'm on the right one. So then you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who seeks me and says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, will enter. The will of his Father is the Torah and the commandments as we know, in this place. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So the deeds have to be for him and not for themselves. And then it goes on, Therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And it fell, and great was its fall. I want to stop there for a second and share with you some of my own experiences, what I've seen um, since I've been a pastor, not talking about circumstances here or people here at the Disciple Center, what I've seen, maybe it is here, maybe it's around and about my, fam- my own family or just what I've seen in the ministry itself. But when somebody builds their ministry on another person, they get tired. I've seen spouses actually start to do things because of their, their own spouse, but yet the one that's doing the work gets tired. I've seen a family that is close to the Lord and goes to church on a weekly basis, and when the grandfather passes away, or the grandmother, the family crumbled slowly but surely. They stopped going to church. Because it wasn't built. Maybe the grandfather or the grandmother 
founded their relationship with Christ on the rock, but the rest of the family didn't, and they stopped going. I've seen that in my own life. I've seen parents that say, we're going to church week after week for years. And then whenever their child goes away to school, they stop going to church. And that child fades away from the church themselves because they were doing it for the wrong reason. They were building their foundation to God on sand. So as we talk today, we have to look within ourselves, and each one of us has to build on the rock, not for the church, not for the Disciple Center, not for your spouse, not for your kids, but because you know and your hope is founded on the Mashiach himself. And on the rock, it will be built and it will stand firmly, even in the storms. Let's go on to the next parable that I wanted to share. Matthew 21 28 through 31 says, But what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in the vineyard. And he answered, I will not. But afterward he regretted it and went. The man came to the second and said the same thing. And he answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? And they said, the first. You see, Christ was talking to the temple authorities at this point. Yet, I think we can still glean from it as the people of God. Dr. Stokes talked about God focused on the people of God. So when we say we, we will do something, we need to make sure we do it. Let our yes be yes and our no be no. But I also know that that first son, he was dependable. He was probably the son that the father knew would always come through at the end. And the one, when you get to know people, you realize they'll say yes and maybe they won't do it. You need to be dependable when you say you're going to do something. So that's something that I always want to focus on as well because when you say you're going to do something, you have to follow through. Just like yesterday, I know that... Um, some people get sick all of a sudden. And, for instance, Kara and Hannah got sick, but Kara was responsible for teaching a class yesterday. And so when we were going through it, I said, you know, she said, I'll, I'll text message Erica. And um, she said, Erica finds people. I said, no, babe, you really need to find somebody. It's not Erica's job to find somebody. And sure enough, it was just a quick phone call. And Angela was willing to take the class. You have to be dependable. You have to take care of that yourself. Because you take on the responsibility. And I've seen people step up even whenever they weren't able to do it. They've made sure that it was taken care of. And so um, that's something we need to focus on as well. So be dependable. Matthew, we'll turn over to Matthew 25. You see how I keep these in chronological order for you guys today. I'm going to use two parables. But just like Dr. Stokes and the rabbis have taught us, you know, when Christ actually says one thing, he expects the other person to know it all. So I'm going to use a small little brief piece of a parable, and then I'll give you an example later. But in Matthew 25, 
We're going to pick up in verse 11. Later the other virgins also came, saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. And carrying on to verse 30. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey, who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, each one according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping wherever you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave, you knew what I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank, and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has more shall be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have even what he has, he does have, shall be taken away. Throw it out, the worthless slave, into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You see that there is a lot that the Lord has blessed each and every one of us with. He has given us all gifts, and we should be using those talents. Not talents but talents for His glory. Building on the rock. The first parable, I only read a few verses from, actually talks about the ten virgins. This can be seen by showing up in the materials needed when teaching. You see, there are certain talents that each of us have, and we have to... We have to build them up. We're not all going to be perfect at what we do. Lord knows I'm not perfect when I stand up here and teach. Or even today I'm not perfect. But I get better as time goes. If you guys, some of you, and I really appreciate it, give me feedback a little bit every time. And compared to where I was when I first started, I've come a long way. So even Karen tells me sometimes when I have hiccups when I'm up here, it's good to get that feedback. But it's also good to know where you've come from. 
you have to know the ten virgins. They didn't actually, five of them didn't prepare. Five of them prepared. When you're doing God's work, you have to be prepared in ways that you're not ready for, just in case something else happens. If you're going to help us up here, if you're going to be part of the ministry, we're going to want you here by 9.30. Stuff happens. I get here by 9. Um, for years, Kara would ask me, I'm probably using her more today because she's not here. I better stop. But um, we'd get up here around 9, 9.15, and she said, why are we going early? We're the first ones there every time. I said, because stuff happens and sometimes I need to help with certain things. Or people need to be let in. Well, one time something happened and the bulletins weren't here when I wasn't in charge of them. Or something happened, I think they got left in a certain briefcase. I had to run and make them. But nobody else would have ever noticed. Because we were here preparing and being, getting ready for everybody during the, before the service. So the ten virgins can teach us quite a bit about that. Going to the servants of obedience and the talents that God gives us all gifts. And yet, all of us have different gifts. And yet, we can all learn another gift. I can learn from Jeff about music. And I can put together the service. I definitely cannot play that guitar and piano. But there's certain things that Jeff can teach me about music. There's certain things that people would say, I'm not really good about uh, teaching, but maybe I can put the bulletin together. I can help you come along in that way. Let's turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll look at this, because Paul actually instructs us and tells us about, the, gives us an analogy here about different parts of the body. Chapter 12, verse 11 through 27 says this. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, dis distributing to each one individually, just as He wills. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into the body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole we're hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body, just as He desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, or an organ, or again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which we deem less honorable, and these we bestow more abundant honor, and our 
less presentable members become much more presentable. Whereas our, our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now, you are Christ's body and individual members of it. We all have to work together. We all have, have certain gifts God has given us. And we can all glorify the Lord together and magnify Him in this congregation in different ways. But I will tell you this, that if you have ever hurt one of your major parts of your body, say your, your uh, thumb or your pinky, you start to realize how much you used that part of the body. Right? And what happens whenever that part of the body is hurt? Other parts of your body have to... Right? They have to adjust for it. So it has to get stronger. So the pastor here, <clears throat> when he starts to um, need more time off, somebody else has to step up. When, when Jeff isn't doing well, his backup has to be ready to step in. When somebody is not able to go make bulletins, somebody else has to be ready. We all have to function together. We have to get ready and maybe lessen the load on those who continue to be the primary functions of the body here at the Disciple Center all the time. And as we do that, the, the other parts of the body will grow and we will magnify the Lord even more. That's my hope. That we're all functioning as one unit. But as little, little amounts of members do it, we're not functioning to the whole that we can. So I will... Um, Ephesians 13 or 4. I don't think you can find Ephesians chapter 13 because there's not one. <clears throat> but Ephesians 4, 13 through 16 says... Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ, as a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves, carried by, about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitfulness and scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. Grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. We must function in this way. <clears throat> I have heard it said over and over by rabbis, by pastors, by visitors that come in here, that this place, the, you guys, the people of God here, are unique. There's not another like it. I don't know if that's true. I 
have went to other places. There's a lot of messianic congregations, right, in in the UMJC. But to have a, a, a congregation made up of Gentiles that struggle to come alongside and function like this is pretty unique. As a Disciple Center member, I have seen how the ministry has grown over the years. I believe we are unique, as I have seen, as I said, pastors and rabbis have said it. Yes, this may be so, as I too believe, but I also believe we have the opportunity to grow and make it glorify the kingdom in many ways, not yet even seen or known by us. Yet the Lord knows how we can function better and do things to glorify Him in ways. To do this through, we all will have to give and work together in the ministry of the Lord here at the Disciple Center. Not a few of us, but all of us together, building on the rock of our salvation. Let's go to the Lord today in prayer.